This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio, the Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors, and our goal is to provide our listeners with the real facts and real stats about our local market. My name is Kim Huckabee, Government Affairs Director for the Fresno Association of Realtors. Uh, as you all know, I've been filling in uh, past few weeks, well, maybe not last weekend, for your host, Don Scordino, uh, who took quite the amazing road trip, and I am uh, actually going to interview him today and welcome him back. So welcome, Don. Hey, thank you. It's nice to be in this seat here where all the pressure's on you to have a good show, and I could just sit back and answer if I want to. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've had guests like that before. I wasn't sure that they really wanted to answer the question or the curveball that I threw them. Yeah, well, I think we're going to throw you some curveballs today. Do it. Yeah, you you've had too much of a break, so we gotta we gotta really have to give you a hard time. All right, well let's do what we're here to do. Let's uh, dive right in, maybe to market stats. Sure. All right. So pulling the May twenty twenty one market report, I noticed a couple interesting things, and I really you know uh, since we've last been on together, some changes have come up, and I want to get your take on it. Um, Let's start with the average sold price is appreciating out there. Um, sold price in May was 410000 up 30.6% from 314000 in May of 2020, and up 6.8% from three eighty four last month. You want me to stop there before I go to the median? Or you want yeah. To? Okay. Yeah. Um, that is, those are some amazing numbers. And, and the obvious thing, and I still remember a weatherman saying this, you can look at all the statistical data you want to to predict the weather. You can look at the Doppler radar readings, but don't forget to look out the window. Right. Check out those clouds. <laughs> look in the sky. Right. So here's what I'm seeing from actually being on the streets. I, and I work about 50-50 with sellers and buyers. So I think I get a pretty rounded view. And I know there's some realtors that have these big teams where uh, one person never is assigned to buyers, another one to sellers. But I do it both. So I, I get that good experience. And I want to do that. So I think I'll give better information on this radio show. Prices are definitely going up. But you a seller still has to be careful. It they if it's a seller's market but you got to be priced in the market mm-hmm. if you so those go, appraisals are important right oh yeah that that's the hardest part of this market right now somebody said oh man you realtors must be loving this market oh this is one of the hardest markets to be working in because there's so many disconnects and it's up to the realtor to make the connections of those disconnects And by disconnects, I mean the appraiser has to appraise backwards. Mm -hmm. You you know, by their guidelines, they have to look backwards six months and find historical data to to bring there. Well, buyers can't buy what happened already. Mm -hmm. It's been canceled. 
So that historical data that you're talking about with the appraisers, that's to sort of justify the listing price, right? Or the sell price. Right, yeah. yeah, right. Sell right. price. Okay. It, it, and that justifies it to the lender. Because if you think about it, the, the buyer's already been justified. The mm-hmm. buyer went into contract, let's say, for $300,000. Um, they're happy they got it. Maybe they beat out 10 other offers. They're happy with it. The seller's happy with it. But now the lender says, <clears throat> wait a minute, everybody. We're the ones putting out 95% of the money. We want to send our appraiser out there to tell us how much we should lend on. And they're going to lend on the appraised value or the purchase price, whichever is lower. Mm, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. So if that, uh, let's say you're in contract for 300000 but that um, appraisal comes in at 280000 well, there's a $20,000 disconnect. And now the realtors, along with the buyer and the seller, have to figure out what do we do now? Right, right. So my, my daughter, uh, who's 21, she is in escrow right now with uh, on, a, on a condo. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. But she uh, was sort of, you know, everything was just hinging on that appraisal, right? So, um, and I, I've been seeing a lot of uh, folks that, even my daughter, she made an offer where she promised a certain amount of money over the appraisal value. Ah, Etc. Um, you know, to get her offer accepted. That's called that? an appraisal gap clause. Okay. As opposed to an appraisal waiver. An mm-hmm. appraisal waiver, you're saying, I don't care what, uh, you're totally waiving the whole appraisal. And you can really only do that on certain things, right? Like, I, I know I, I did it once on new construction. Mm-hmm. The bank would allow it for the, the person we were selling the house to. Well, in theory... you better make sure you have enough to pay cash for it. Right. What if the appraisal came in at $1, then you've waived the the whole contingency. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not very common, is it? No. For $1? Not not yet. (laughs) (laughs) No, but appraisal waivers in general, right? Well, they are on cash transactions. They make sense there. Um. You see, and here's uh, another disconnect right now. You are seeing some buyers waive the appraisal contingency and they don't have the cash to back it up. Mm-hmm. So if that appraisal comes in too low, and I, I remember hearing of one, I think it sold for like 350 They had waived the appraisal contingency and the appraisal came in at 310 I $40,000 off, 15% off. And that's a big gap to close. And the buyer didn't have that much money. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I only heard about that one. I wasn't involved (laughs) in that one because that would have been a messy deal. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Okay. Well, before we move on, I want to run one more stat by you because I think that, you know, um, and maybe this is sort of what we're already talking about, but the median sold price, we just talked about the average price. Now, the median sold sold price is also appreciating, um, but at a different rate. Uh, So median in May was 356, up 24% from 287,000 in May of 2020, and up 4.4% from 341,000 last month. So there's a bit of a difference between that average and the median. What do you think? What's going on here? 
and that's an interesting question because typically in the past, I, I have seen the median be slightly lower than the average. But it's significant but, but Yeah, here. it's not slightly anymore. It's significant and growing. I'm trying to figure that out, and I'm just going to say that it's because the predominance of the market is moving up. Uh, uh, where the median is the middle one. Mm-hmm. So you might have had uh, one that sold for 100000 another so- that sold for $5 million. All right, so what's in the middle? But the average is where the bulk of the transactions are moving upwards. And it makes sense because we're in a market where there's a lot of move-up buyers. Right. People have equity, mm-hmm. you know, all those things, right? Right, right. And they're moving up to the bigger home and then selling their their other one. And do we still think that that's sort of part of this COVID-19 trend, right? Or it has been. People have found this new... Um, there's been a new focus and uh, value on home, right? Because people, gosh, for almost a year and a half, if you can believe it, right? People have been in their homes and... Yeah, and I'll I'll credit, that's an odd word, but I'll credit COVID for for raising people's appreciation Mm -hmm. for what their home means to them. Right. Um, You know, if if you're locked down, you got to stay in it. Maybe you want a yard. Maybe... Mm -hmm. Maybe you want that extra room to use as a media room or an office or a gym. Or a classroom or yeah, yeah, all the things that. um... Right. But the other thing I'm going to credit is the low fixed interest rates. So what an opportunity it is for buyers. And I credit the buyers for realizing this. Mm -hmm. Here's a chance for us to lock in our housing costs for the next 30 years. Um, so, you know, in the year 2040, this is what my payment's going to be. As a renter, you don't know what it's going to be in 2040. Right. And, and it's going to be that fixed payment, even if we have massive inflation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and, it, and that is another reason that we can, or folks out there can sort of pay some of these higher prices for homes because the interest rates are so low, Right. Right. So my forecast is people say, when is all this going to stop? Well, the easy answer is when the affordability gets too low. Mm -hmm. So right now you have higher prices, which would cut into affordability, but you have a low, lower interest rates, which makes things more affordable. So if those interest rates come up. Yeah. yeah, When, when a combination of prices and rates go up, that was, that will hurt the affordability factor and 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 then there will be fewer buyers Mm -hmm. and what have you been watching interest rates what's going on out there any buzz yeah in fact just the other day um i heard on the radio that you could get a 15-year mortgage for 1.9 well i'm gonna do that so i contacted a company and, and the best that's out there is like 2.75 2.8 which didn't make it worth the while right since we're we're already at three and an eighth right to go through the yeah yeah um so i contacted this place that was the 1.9 there were so many stipulations in there i I think one person in america might be able to to get that 
Um, it, it, you know, the loan balance had to be over 450000 The You had to pay points, a, a lot of money up front. And um, so it's not really 1.9 is not what 1. I But it's still good, right? It is. And a long time ago, I decided to get into the lending business. And as brilliant as I was, it was when interest rates were at 17 and a half. Oh, wow. I feel like that is a great segment for maybe a show. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would bring back nightmares for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tough one. Well, I think we are, we've got to get out to a commercial break. Um, we're here with Kim Huckabee, myself. I'm, I've switched the chairs with Don Scordino, and I'm interviewing him today. Um, to find out more, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Kim Huckabee, the Government Affairs Director for the Fresno Association of Realtors. I'm here today uh, actually interviewing your host, Don Scordino. Welcome back, Don. Thank you. And it's good where I can answer questions for once. Usually I just ask the questions. I know. It's it's hard to... And then I let the experts answer them, the guests. So today I can pretend I'm an expert. Oh, you are an expert. You yeah. are an expert. And that's exactly what we're going to get into. Um, you know, you've been doing real estate, gosh, since you were 21. Yeah. That's incredible. Such a, I don't even want to ask how old you are now, but I'm guessing that's a lot of years in there. <laughs> He's been gone a while. I got to mess with him. That's right. And, and when I was 21, I only did it for a while until I could figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. Then, then I just didn't grow up in time, so here I am. <laughs> what did 45 you, what, years later. 45. Okay, so I, we can do the math, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, so one of the things, Don, that I'm always curious about, yeah, being in this industry, uh, though I don't practice real estate on the street, um, I work with a lot of uh, realtors. And so sometimes I hear, you know, different sort of myths and, you know, mistakes and you know just different things like that and I've made a list and I just kind of want to run through a few things with you and see what you think you know is it a myth is it a mistake is it a true story who knows okay this sounds interesting go ahead yeah we'll see um all right first one so it's a seller's market out there we know that yes I'm hearing time to time maybe sellers are being greedy what do you think no they're not because it's being offered to them. And when it's being offered to them by multiple buyers, how can you accuse the seller of being greedy? Um, now, there, I'm gonna take that back a little bit and let's say the seller receives 10 offers, picks one, uh, and it's $20,000 over the asking price. The buyer does a home inspection and finds termites and they ask the seller to take care of the termites. All right, now I th would think the seller should, mm -hmm. just based on the fact they got $20,000 more than they're asking for, treating the termites is probably a $1,200 to $1,400 bill, um, probably worth doing. But um, 
Yeah, just to make a statement that sellers are being greedy because they're expecting over asking price. No, it, it, it's I remember my third grade teacher teaching us that, hey, when somebody offers you a snack, take it. They're, they're offering it and, and mm-hmm. it's a little bit insulting not to sure not to take it. By the way, my third grade teacher became a realtor and I got to work with her many years later. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, and this time I was the teacher. <laughs> and I gave her an F. No, no. <laughs> you did not. No. Yeah, she gave me one. I bet <laughs> she did. I bet she gave you a few. Yeah, it Our, was always for conduct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet there's a lot of talking. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. All right, Um, let's try another one. Hmm, let's see. Buyers thinking the appraiser will bring the price down for them oh that's that one is a mistake not a myth (laughs) so here's the here's what some people do let's say the asking price is two hundred and fifty seven thousand dollars and there's multiple offers so somebody throws out a price of three hundred and ten thousand and there's no there's no way that can appraise, but they need it to appraise because they're only they're borrowing ninety five percent, and they're, that buyer is hoping that the appraiser comes in at a lower number and negotiates for them. Doesn't always work that way. Uh, the mistake is you might find out that you bought that home for three hundred ten thousand because mm-hmm. the appraisal does come in. Um, is that a common mistake? Not common, but it's, you see it way more than you should. So, do you, uh, as a realtor, I mean, do you, ha- what, what happens when you're in a situation like that with a client? What do you, how do you get a, how do you work through that? Yeah. Communication between the two agents is important. Uh, communication with the appraiser is really important. Um, and let's say the appraisal does come in low I think it's fair that the buyer who owns that appraisal shares it with the seller in uh, in return for the request to drop the price I mean if a seller is going to drop the price they better know why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then here's what you see a lot of to, an- to answer your question Re, uh, renegotiations through communication and you may see them cut the price in the middle uh, or drop some the buyer come up with more it it's tough it, mm-hmm. it, it's a tough way to do it and you just better hope that it's only five thousand dollars not twenty five thousand dollars Okay, so that one is a mistake for all our listeners out there. Yeah, it's a mistake on the buyer's part to think that the appraiser is going to knock the price down for him. <laughs> all right, so what about sellers under-presenting the property? Okay, sellers under... Sellers might get spoiled right now. They hear that it's a seller's market. You throw something on the market and and within one day you got multiple offers. Yeah, but you got to present it to the market properly. 
the house has to be clean, cleared. Uh, and by cleared, I don't mean vacant or empty, but um, as much as you can, let the buyer see what they're going to be buying. Mm -hmm. um, oh, here's an example. A few years ago, I had a seller and I suggested that they trim the bushes in the trees in the front yard because you could barely see the house. Mm. Um, they said, well, we kind of like it that way. You know, we're reclusive people and, and uh, we like it that way. I said, ah, but the buyers aren't. And the buyers can't see what they're buying. Mm -hmm. it, it's like trying to sell a dress on a mannequin with a coat on. Mm -hmm. And so, the, you know, the, this again makes it really important that you have a realtor that you're that's trusted that can give you that sort of advice. I think, you know, we're probably all uh, subject to it. We like things a certain way in our homes, but that doesn't mean that everyone else likes it. Right. 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 And the realtor can be that third party, that neutral party that might see something that you haven't seen in years and years because you just love that tree being as bushy and, and, and dense as it is. Mm -hmm. But that realtor might look at it from a different perspective, maybe the perspective of the buyers that they've shown. Um, that's one of the things I like about working with buyers is I believe it makes me a better seller's agent mm -hmm, when I absolutely. work with it. Because I, I know, I going through the house, I kind of know where the buyers stop and, and gather where, their thoughts. Where do they stop and gather their thoughts, generally? Uh, the curb, then, then the entryway, um, the kitchen, and then the living area. Mm -hmm. um, you'd be surprised. Bedrooms, they go through a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they, they have to envision that their family and their furnishings will fit. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's really interesting. Speaking of furnishings fit, I can't believe how here people can go out and spend a half million dollars on a home, but they don't like a particular home because their refrigerator won't fit. It's yeah. like, you know, that refrigerator is only a couple thousand bucks. Mm -hmm. Maybe get a new one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the little things. Okay. One more of these. Well, maybe two. Um, all you have to do is throw it into the MLS and you will have multiple offers in one day. So I've been hearing this, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of property. You put it on the market, put it in the MLS and multiple offers. I mean, that's just sort of the buzz out there. And I'm going to kind of combine this last one. Um, so that's one piece. And then there's also, I think, this um, idea out there that realtors must just absolutely love this market that homes are selling in one day, right? Um, what say you to that? All right. First of all, if you're a buyer's market, it's a really tough job right now because how do you work with a buyer who gets their emotions up, their love for a home up, they make an offer, and then you got to call them and say, I'm sorry, but we didn't get it. That is tough. Mm. That phone call is tough. Um, all right. The, uh, when you're the listing agent and, and you have multiple offers, boy, you're on the hot seat. I mean, you're, you're having to make a tough decision to to look at all those offers all the details of each offer and, and, and then present it to the seller with good advice 
how long do you know how how do you know how long to wait you know say you list a house on friday uh you get 10 offers in over the weekend how do you know when to stop taking offers and go ahead and present is that when you think you've got you know the what you know the client wants or it's it looks like it's you know will go through i mean what what when the momentum slows down Mm. so uh, um and the, and by momentum i mean the showings mm-hmm. maybe there's no showing schedule for tomorrow in, in here the first couple of days you had 10 showings each day all right that that momentum has slowed now as far as like when the seller gets what they want here's something that i do because i believe the best way to have integrity is not to know things mm. okay so when I see I'm in a multiple offer situation and I'm the seller's agent and, and I get the okay from my seller to do this, as I receive the offers, I put them into a email cache and I don't open them. Mm. So when one of my buddies from another company calls or even my own company and they say, hey, you know, how many do you have? I can tell them, hey, I have 10 offers, but I don't, they say, well, how many are over asking price? Are there any cash? I don't know. Oh, that's brilliant. I love that. That's great. Well, it takes yeah. pressure off of me and off of the seller. And here's why I think that's good for the seller. Because for one, what if on day one, here comes one that's $10,000 over and they think, oh, great, let's take it. But then we still got momentum going and all of a sudden they get 20,000 over. So you could see where that helped the seller. It also helps the seller because when buyers know that, hey, I got to up my price uh, 5,000 bucks if I want to get this, and then they do it and they get it, and then the next day it's like, holy smokes, what did we do? Right. Now they have remorse because they went higher than what they wanted to go mm-hmm. to because they got caught in the bid fever. Mm-hmm. I had a buyer say, I don't want to get involved in any bidding wars. I said, good, let's don't do it. <laughs> just make your best offer and that's not a war yeah i mean and, and that right I, even if you you were to call another agent and you're trying to get an idea of where to price an offer i mean just submit the best the best offer right that, yeah that that buyer wants to pay mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so what one one more question what if you don't read them how would until a certain you know point in time how would you know if say you had a cash buyer that's in a hurry is there a chance to lose an opportunity good question ah good question so you communicate with the other agent and say you know what i'm thinking about monday morning we're going to review offers are you good with that Ah. yeah so even though you don't open them but you, you you can you get if there, there's something of urgency or you might miss out on something you're you're learning that information from the other agent right and then the buyer who makes a cash offer and says hey you have 12 hours to respond um they usually don't make it they're yeah. they're, they're pushing the seller when, when they shouldn't be and uh here's something i learned too they they in their offer they say you have 12 hours to respond and two days later we say uh, okay we'll take your offer they'll still buy it yeah that's true right yeah sure sure that makes sense 
All right. Well, I think it's about time for another commercial break. You're listening to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. I'm Kim Huckabee here with Don Scordino, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Kim Huckabee, Government Affairs Director for the Fresno Association of Realtors. I'm here today interviewing your host, Don Scordino. Um, As many of you might know, I filled in for a few weeks for Don while he was, well, I'm not sure where he was, but we're going to hear a little bit about that today. I Um, wasn't sure where I was sometimes either. (laughs) I actually believe you. (laughs) I believe you. So... Today I I wanted to, I haven't had a chance to really hear about Don's trip, though I've heard a little bit of his take on his trip, and he's learned some lessons, got to see some great things, and he basically, I think he's come back with a renewed energy and passion for America and uh, the people, Um, in in addition to seeing some really cool stuff. So, Don, why don't you tell us where you went? What did you do? Well, the idea was to drive back to Florida because my son just bought a home in Orlando, Florida. And awesome. I went I went to visit with him. Uh, and because of COVID, you know, we weren't able to travel as much. And so I hadn't seen the, seen the guy in two years. So I went back there to see him. But I didn't want to fly. I wanted to drive. And by the way, this was my ninth road trip across the country in my life. So it's you know if somebody says oh that's crazy to drive that way well i'm crazy nine times over then (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you went alone right i did yeah i uh kudos to my wife for letting me do what i really wanted to do and uh she supported me on it uh i did have to call her like three times a day to let her know i was still alive (laughs) (laughs) i could see her being a little bit worried yeah yeah and when i said you didn't I didn't know where I was sometimes the the third day into the trip our unlimited data plan ran out of it slowed way down Mm. so I couldn't use I didn't have GPS for a couple of days till we got it back up and running Um, and now I'm in the middle of Arkansas and Mississippi and and no GPS I'm having to go by where the sun is Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I know I'm heading south. So, cause that's where the sun is. So I, I must be doing good. And I was on back roads. Anybody that knows me knows that I rarely go from point A to point B straight. I, <laughs> I zig and zag around and I take it in and oh man, it was fantastic. Cause I, I had breakfast, lunch, or dinner at different cafes, ho-dunk cafes and, um, and, talked to lots of people i was by myself i had to talk to the gas station clerks and well the, and you're a curious individual anyway so it makes yeah. you so great on this show hey thank you um so i got to see lots and lots of people so and talk to them and here's my takeaway from the trip um and that is if we didn't pay attention to the news if or, or maybe watch the news, but in a more um, uh, a manner in which it's like, okay, they're not going to tell me what it is. 
they're going to give me information and I'll think it through myself. Right. Uh, all right. And, and of course, social media, that's the worst. But if you get rid of those things, America is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The people are beautiful and, and the diversity is wonderful. When you drive through Texas, Texas has five very diverse geographical areas. You know, on the east side, you got the bayous. On the west side, you have the prairie, the prairies, mm-hmm. um, and everything in between there. And of course, people wise, were very diverse, but the people were unified. Mm-hmm. I, I saw people of all ages, genders, races being kind to one another, talking to one another, helping one another out. Um, so I, I remember helping somebody, uh, their battery went dead. Me and another guy, we, we helped them. We jumped their battery and, and got them going. And we were all different races, mm-hmm. but it was all unified. So we are the United States of America, though we have a diverse geography, diverse cultures and diverse people we're still united boy am i on a soapbox or what yeah no i mean i i (laughs) I think that that's that's awesome and it's probably um a much much needed reminder these days right when we get home and we turn on the news i think sometimes we think these smaller you know things that are so blown up in the media and on social media but really they have zero impact on the folks that you were running into out there, right? The waitresses, you know, they're, they're just trying to do their jobs, take care of their families. Um, and I think, you know, the stuff that it's on the news every night really has, you know, little to no impact mm-hmm. on the way they're living. Yeah. Right. You know, we're all just trying to get along, make, mm-hmm. make a living. Yeah, we have much more in common than uh, we do that divides us. Yeah. So if we focused on our common uh, traits rather than the very few uncommon uh, or or, uh, diverse ones, we'd get along great. I use this analogy and going back to my wife, she's all she tries to have a green lawn. She's out there with the hose in the middle of the night when you know, the, the water police can't find her. <laughs> she's, uh, cause there's like in our backyard, which is huge. There, there's two little brown spots that there, the grass isn't doing well. She's so focused on that. She thinks our lawn's dying. <laughs> when, if you just step back and look at the whole picture, we got a green lawn. Yeah. That's just a little blip, right? Yeah. Oh, that's a great analogy. It truly I, is. I hope she doesn't listen to this show. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're always in trouble, probably, Don. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's see. Um, I got a couple of questions for you on this, this road trip across America. Um, tell me about some of the best signs that you saw. All right. <laughs> I think when I was talking to you as I was driving through Oklahoma, mm-hmm. I was talking to you on the phone on, on something, and I, I had saw, seen a sign that said, do not pick up hitchhikers, state prison ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a great one. Now, here's another one that I saw in- Where going, was that? Where was that? Uh, Oklahoma? I actually saw it in about three different places. Oh, yeah, wow. that one was Oklahoma, but I, I saw it in- um, 
Louisiana. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Crossing the Continental Divide. I was up to like 9,600 feet in elevation. And um, uh, there was a sign going down the hill that said emergency truck brake ramp temporarily closed. Oh. Now, if if you need that emergency ramp and it's temporarily closed. Yeah, you might just have to use it anyway. Right. Right. That little white uh, yeah. picket thing is not going to stop a truck, no. an 18-wheeler. No way. Oh, speaking of 18-wheelers, not only do I talk to people as I go into the restaurants and, and stuff, but um, I've learned this from driving. You make eye contact with other drivers. So there was this guy in an 18-wheeler, and um, he was trying to merge in in front of me. So I let him go, flash my lights, let him go. He waved at me, you know, so mm-hmm. all's good. Uh, a little further down the road, I was behind him again. And he could he saw that there was a guy behind me pushing me, a tailgater, mm-hmm. but a very aggressive tailgater. Oh, no. He was trying to push me out of the way. So uh, I remember advice I got one time, best way to avoid a problem, don't be there. So I went off to the right to let this guy go. And when I did, my buddy in that (laughs) 18-wheeler pulled out in front of that aggressive tailgater and made him slow it down. Oh, wow. So then a few minutes later when I passed my 18-wheeler friend, he waves at me. I gave him the thumbs up. Did you get a honk? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You had some friends out there on the road looking out. That's right. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. So what was, um, so you went to Arizona, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, and Florida. And you know, Don, I have traveled a lot. And I can't say that I have only been to Florida and Arizona on this list. So you've been, I mean, this is pretty neat. You must fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, but I think this is a good reminder that we're missing out when we fly. We're, you know, there's, there's all this out there. That's a good way to put it, yeah. Uh, the best parts of the trip I would have missed mm-hmm. if, if I flew. Um, you, you know, another sign that I saw was now hiring $500 signing bonus, $300 bonus with, you know, proof of vaccination. Uh, And I saw a lot of those signs. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think our, we're ready to get back out there and work. That's great. That's, that's great. Um, All right. If you had to narrow it down, Pick, tell me the the place that you went that made the most impact or that you just you know yeah that that's an easy one it was the brown derby restaurant at hollywood studios in orlando florida where my son works okay him and i went to lunch there and it was one of the proudest moments of my life to see all the people coming up to him his co-workers and to see that the, that little butthead kid has grown <laughs> up he has great friends uh, his co-workers admire him 
and uh, that was that was proud for. Her. I yeah. was just proud. You got to have that moment where he's man, right? And yeah, he's, it's like, he's turned... yep, that's my boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, trust me, I've got kids. I I get it. All right. Well, we're overdue for a break. Um, you're stay tuned. You're listening to Welcome Home Radio, nine forty ESPN. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Kim Huckabee, Government Affairs Director for the Fresno Association of Realtors. I am interviewing your host, Don Scordino, today. Uh, he's been gone, and we're catching up. I'm glad to be back, although the, the hardest part of that trip was being focused for so many hours a day on the car in front of you, the car behind you. And, uh, you know, it's not like there was... I was driving, so it's not like there was a lot of physical exertion, mm -hmm. but you had to stay focused. Well, and you still had to work, right? It wasn't a true vacation, right? I mean, you, you run your own business. You know, your clients don't stop just because you want to go see your son. So I answered my phone mm -hmm. the whole way and, and uh, probably better than I normally do. Um, so I answered the phone and while I was gone, I, I, I uh, put a listing into our multiple listing service. Um, I uh, open two escrows, close two of them. And now, yeah, I had a little bit of help back home, you know, when I needed the uh, boots on the ground. Sure, sure. But yeah, you, you got it done. Um, all right. So I wanted to go back. You know, Don, I know that you've been in real estate a long time, but you credit a lot of individuals with sort of shaping your career and giving you advice and, and different things like that. And, you know, because it is a crazy market out there, what can you tell our listeners? What's the best advice you've been given when it comes to real estate? I've been so fortunate to work with some of the best and they didn't always work at my same office, but you know, that's what I love about our industry. We're, we're friends, mm -hmm. whether, even though we're competitors and let me go with, uh, the first one and, and I'm going to credit Joe Jones, who was like the hottest selling realtor during the eighties and nineties. And he was a, uh, guy from South Carolina, had this Southern drawl and just, uh, the guy was a character. Um, in fact, good old St. Pete probably doesn't know what to do with him up there in heaven <laughs> right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Joe would just, I remember him telling a waitress one time, you need to get yourself a house. He goes, because that's where your, your family needs to live. It, and mm -hmm. just hit, so what I learned from him is his belief in what he sold. And then his customers had a tremendous trust in him and he earned it. So that's the thing. I'll, that was the advice I gave. Ne never do nobody wrong. It's what he used to say. Um, and I remember one time we, him and I were driving to spring training in Arizona and uh, a customer calls, said they walked through an open house and they wanted to buy it. And he goes, wait a minute, tell me a little bit about the house. They told him and he goes, I hate to tell you this, but you can do better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he basically talked talked him out of mm -hmm. doing that one. A few days later, they did better. They did better. Yeah, that's great. That's then, great. Then there was another realtor, John Miller. 
and uh, he always talked about the spirit of cooperation and uh, it's like we got to find common ground mm-hmm. to, to put a transaction together because you got a buyer and a seller two parties coming together for one he goes one party can't win at all you, you got to find the common ground so uh, and then he was great as far as he was a believer in investing in real estate and John would always say, don't go backwards. So if you've been paying for eight years on a 30-year mortgage, don't go back to a 30-year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, here was probably some of the best advice. I used to work with a guy named Jack Lenhoff. This is the kind of guy where if you ask him what time it is, he starts detailing how the watch was built. And, you know, a minute later, it's like, Jack, what time is it? (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. but he said, and this is back when we were like 23, 24 years old. He said, you know, by the time we're 65, it's time for Social Security. There will be no Social Security. Mm -hmm. He says, we have to create our own retirement plan. And he showed me how this is his plan is you go out and you buy a rental, you keep it, you pay it off. Uh, and that becomes your retirement income. Mm-hmm. And I've done that. Right. And, and now that I'm eligible for Social Security, I don't want to say I don't need it, well, but not yet I don't. So right. beca- because yeah. of those rentals. And you and you had to be sure, right, that security. And I think that's the case for, you know, a lot of many realtors out there that are, you know, they're independent contractors. And it's the natural thing to do. We all know that, you know, homeownership investment builds wealth. But you and, you know, your colleagues out there know it better uh, than, than anyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. But here might be some of the best advice. And, of course, it's because it's from my mother. Aw. So, um, and, and what I got from her was not what she said, but what she did. And that is, you refuse to lose it. So, when I was a teenager, um, tough times hit. We were in foreclosure my mom uh, was we were getting food stamps welfare and um, she was about to lose the house there was no way that was going to happen and she pulled it off and, um, and and made it work and so that determination is the the advice I got from her mm-hmm. well the real advice I got from her when I was like 18 or 19 I thought I'd go on unemployment when I didn't really have to, I was turning down jobs. Oh no, you're one of those. I was <laughs> till my mom whooped me, <laughs> and you know, and she said, "Hey, no son of mine's gonna be a vagabondo, a, a, a bum." Mm-hmm. And um, and ever since then, I learned my lesson. You just wake up in the morning, lean forward, let the momentum carry you to work. It sounds like your mom's work work ethic really rubbed off on you. Oh yeah. 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 Was she a people person like you? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm half what she was. Oh. She had this incredible ability. She could be in a room with 20 people and spot somebody that was uncomfortable and go make them feel comfortable. You do that, too. You're really good at that. Yeah. No, but I, I'm half what she was. Half, half. No, I always appreciate when I walk into a room and I maybe don't know everyone there. And if I see Don, I'm like, oh, I'm safe. This is great. And I know that he knows everyone in the room, so... He's a great wingman for sure, <laughs> for sure. Um, 
What else, Don? So let's see. What do you, what advice do you? I know you know we ask this question a lot, but the market's changing and things are changing every week. Uh, what advice do you have for our listeners today? If you're in the market to to sell uh, or to buy, if it's your own home, so I'm not talking about investments, but I'm right. talking about a home for that you live in and use it. Emphasize the use of it. Buy a home that you that works for your use today five years from now, and maybe even 10 years, because we don't know where the market's mm-hmm. gonna go, nobody does. Um, you might end up living there for 10 years. But one thing I've seen in my 45 years in this business, real estate has always gone up, but it has a lot of dips. Mm-hmm. So You have to stick with it. Yeah, refuse to lose it. Refuse. So when, when the going gets tough and that value is lower than Uh, what you bought it for or what you owe on it Mm -hmm. if you bought it for the right reason which is to use it for you and your family you can't lose you can't lose yeah yeah eventually your loan balance is going to go down and by the way that's a big difference people say oh here we go again we're going to have another crash like we did 15 years ago uh 14 years ago Ah, a lot of different things. Right. This time, people have equity with fully amortized loans that they qualify for. Qualify is the key word yeah. there, right? And loan balances are dropping. Back then, loan balances were growing because they were adjustable rate mortgages with negative amortization. And people it, were getting properties that they just simply weren't qualified for. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I, that's a, That's another question, you know, when we talk about things that we're hearing on the street and we we do keep hearing a lot about this bubble but uh everything that that i can see and you know doing this while it it all support it all points to a supply inventory issue you know too right so um hopefully it will continue like this or you know get better for a while and then even out but i don't think we'll see a crash either Mm -mm. no i i really believe we'll see a slowdown but our market it's like we're driving 100 miles an hour oh that was one of my favorite signs in texas speed limit 80 oh it was at the highest that you saw yeah what was the lowest you here in california 55 55 uh, on, on the highways yeah but but it's like we're driving 100 miles an hour so when we slow down to 70 it's going to feel like a recession yeah no i'm sure i had a client earlier in the week say oh that you know she heard that the market is slowing down i said yeah but there's still 13 offers on that house right (laughs) maybe maybe there would have been 15 last month but 13 still more than they need right so going back to you know oh the this idea that realtors love this market actually you're i mean you're doing a lot more work for sort of the same same outcome, I right. guess, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and then there's more realtors in the business. Um, a lot of people got into it because maybe their other jobs closed up, shut down. they had time because of COVID to get a license. And get, right. Right. So, um, well, it, it's, it's, you still got to work for your career. All right, Don, I hate to cut you off. It's been fun catching up with you. I'm glad you're back. This show needs to be two hours long. I don't know about that, Um, (laughs) but I'm happy to host for an hour. All right. We've got to go. Um, Thank you for listening to Welcome Home Radio. We appreciate it. I'm Kim Huckabee, Government Affairs Director, interviewing Don Scordino. 
Thank you very week. much. 